Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 111. This week, we talk with Josh Kaplan about Power BI, implementing a markdown engine in C Sharp, packaging WPF into UWP, and Carl talks about cold brew. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics, providing tools and solutions to accelerate design, development, insights, and collaboration for any organization. This week, we have Josh Kaplan, Senior Program Manager on the Power BI team, focusing on developer experience. How's it going, Josh? Great. How's it going there? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining us. This is uh, this is a topic that uh, we've been trying to get scheduled for a few months, so I'm super excited because you guys are you guys are just rocking along at an awesome pace. Every single week, something new comes out. Yep. So, Carl, what do we have for, or who do we have for the Infragistics Ultimate Winner of the Week? This week, uh, we pulled a piece of info off of Twitter from Cosimo. Mm-hmm. He started talking to us and Rich Turner after our win. Uh, Windows subsystem for Linux, and uh, he was asking if there's a way to reinit to get a non-root user when doing that, and Rich replied, and they started going back and forth on consoles, and if you want to check it out, we'll uh, put the actual link to the conversation in there, because it looks like uh, Cosimo was inspired to have a lot of fun with uh, WSL. (laughs) I love this, too. Like He opens up two consoles, uh, Red a red console and a green uh, console with exactly the same contact makes amber. <laughs> so uh, very interesting. I think he's, I don't think that's the way it was meant to be used, but that's pretty cool. So Rich had comment too. That's because it, you know, it has one console within Windows. Yeah, Nice way to show diffs though. Oh yeah. Good point. Good point. As long as they're so, not too complicated. Yep. If you want to get mentioned on the show like Cosimo, send an email to us at feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment on Facebook, YouTube, Stitcher. We really like those five-star iTunes reviews. And if we've, uh, if you've won in the past and you haven't heard from us, just get, uh, uh send us an email with your, uh, contact info so we can, uh, pass it on to Infragistics. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's jump into the news. So free is in cake. I like cake and I like free. Yes, this is uh, kind of a, a little bit of a callback. Of in January, we did an episode with CakeBuild.net, so that uh, the build environment written mm-hmm. in C sharp, and they are now part of the .NET Foundation. So I just thought that was some really exciting news for those guys, mm-hmm. and that uh, we'd mention it to our listeners. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Congratulations, guys. Uh, let's see here. Implementing a Markdown engine for .NET. Yeah. So th- this guy. Well, first of all, he implemented a Markdown engine for .NET, and we love Markdown. <laughs> so that's how it really got and, our... And we know, love .NET. We love .NET. And so that got our attention that way. But also, he just really goes into the details on why he decided to write this. He kind of compared some existing solutions, kind of talked about like how uh, how kind of picky he was with performance and you know sticking to the right syntax, but yet making something that you can expand. And it really goes you know, deep into parsing and, you know, those details that you really need to kind of implement an engine for, Mm -hmm. you know, one of these languages like this. So I thought that was kind of cool, just kind of seeing that backstory to it. And then on top of it, uh, being able to see another option for us to uh, interact with Markdown in our code. 
Cool. 100 times faster than Markdown Sharp, 30 times faster than DocFX. Very cool. Yeah, man, I just, I just keep scrolling and there's all this performance information and man, this is uh, this is pretty hardcore. Great, great work. Okay, the desktop to UWP packaging project for Visual Studio 15. So what what this is, is uh, a little over a year ago, we had John Sheehan on mm-hmm. to talk about Project Centennial. And this was one of the things I've been really looking forward to. So what this allows us to do is written, you know, take all our WPF apps, our WinForms apps, and package them up so we can actually deploy them to the store, put them in a UWP wrapper. Well, how kind of Project Centennial's, you know, the outset of that is, is you take your installer and you execute it in the process of Project Centennial and it kind of picks up on a bunch of things and wraps it for you. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's all great, but not a lot of us like writing installers. So if you haven't done that, you know, you couldn't use the converter tool. What they've released now is there's a new project type. If you are up on the latest builds of, of pre-release of Windows, um, you can actually in the pre-release for Visual Studio 15 um, actually get a new project type that will allow you to essentially just reference your existing project and do all the project centennial stuff for you with all of your old code without having to do the whole conversion process. Okay. So you don't have to write an installer. You can still get it pushed to the store then. And that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the converter is pretty neat. So what it ends up doing is once you get the, the whole environment set up, it actually spawns a, a container and then it runs your installer inside of that container, and that's how it picks up on on everything that's going on. It's really, really cool technology. Um, I'm excited to see a whole bunch of apps using that in the store. So I'll have to stay tuned and see what that looks like and what that does to the to the ecosystem. And this is this is pretty cool by itself. Um, and I know we've talked on the show too about the fact that like you know you wrap these things into an AppX now, and in the uh, what is it called the anniversary update, you'll be able to double click and install those things. Uh, which is kind of neat. You don't necessarily have to go through the store. Oh, uh, okay. What do we got next? Uh, Monaco editor. Um, this is, this is cool. I don't know. Did you get a chance to look at this, Carl? I don't know if you're familiar with the background of this. I, I looked at it briefly and I was aware of a little bit of the history with Monaco. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, you know, I, this code name, I think, you know, it seems to be like overused. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but this, you know, if you, if you look at the history of VS code, uh, before VS Code existed, there was something called the Monaco Editor, and I, I believe it still exists. And it was basically, uh, you know, VS Code, but in your browser. Uh, but it, well, it really wasn't designed for, you know, embedding somewhere of your choosing. Like you had to go to a very specific location and, and use it. Um, and then VS Code was just the, you know, packaging and using Electron Shell to put it on different browser or on different platforms, sorry, and then and then add, you know, things like plugins. Well, they've reused the Monaco name and now they've basically turned the that coding portion into an editor. So I guess that's probably the distinction. There's Monaco and then there's Monaco editor. So what this allows you to do is actually embed an editor right into a web page yourself. And I actually a few months ago I was looking at doing this and I, I went to the team and I said, hey, this is what I want to do. And they said, well that's complicated and there's just, you know, we just haven't set it up to do that yet. Uh, but that's changed now. So if you actually have to show code, you can use this. There are other options out there. So what I actually ended up using in the time being was the Ace Editor, 
um, which is basically the same thing. You it, it lets you embed an editor right in your page, and I'm using it for um, JSON, IntelliSense, and invalidation and that type of thing. But uh, longer term, I think this is probably even more powerful than the Ace Editor. So I'm I'm excited to have this available. They have instructions on how you can embed this in a page yourself. And uh, yeah, I mean, this will just keep getting better and better over time, I, I would think, because it, you know, as VS Code gets better, this will get improved uh, just sort of as, as a side effect. Okay, so let's talk with our guest, Josh, about Power BI, which is such a cool technology. So Josh, for, for those that, you know, may, might not be familiar with Power BI, uh, you know, can you give us an overview of what it is? Yeah, so Power BI is, is literally a business intelligence tool that lets you analyze data of your business or any data really. And if you kind of look at the history of, uh, of BI products from Microsoft, you know, years ago, all the products we put out were very focused on IT. Uh, you basically had an IT department that would build these da- massive databases, would um, and create reports on top of that, and they would give that out to the users in, in a company. Uh, if you ever wanted anything new, add a new column, add a new field, it was always go back to IT and you wait for this several months process. Yeah, I was going to say, users complain, then IT changes <laughs> it, then users complain, then IT changes it. It's not very quick, though. Yeah, not a good process. But um, so about five years ago, we released uh, what we call our self-service BI products, which was uh, Power Pivot for Excel, Power View. These were all tools that we meant to be, well, self-service, so they weren't under control of IT anymore. And basically, power analysts, people who do heavy usage of Excel, can actually go and build their own models and build their own reports have these kind of fully interactive uh, visualizations. With Power BI, we kind of took that one step further. And uh, back in July, we, um, so almost a year now, we GA'd the, the Power BI uh, 2.0 service, which is kind of meant to be more uh, tor- geared towards pretty much everyone in a business. So you don't have to be a technical user. You can come into Power BI, you can get going within, you can sign up within five seconds, you can get going within five minutes, you can actually find data and reports already pre-done, ready for you to go, mm-hmm. without needing any technical expertise. So Power BI is kind of our way of getting uh, data visualizations, deep analytics to, to everybody in the business. Yeah, you guys have a saying. I think it's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like five seconds to sign up, five minutes to wow. Yep. yep. Yeah, which is which is awesome because I know I've talked to some other services. I know like uh, Twilio uh, was another one too. They said we have we have at most five minutes to blow somebody's mind. And if we don't do it in five minutes, then they're just, they're gone. And my experience with Power BI you know, I went out there and, and, you know, if you just have like an Excel spreadsheet or something like that, just throw that data in there. I mean, we, we use it for, um, tracking all the, the, the downloads of the MS step show and that kind of information. And it, it ties into a whole bunch of different data sources. And yeah, the first time I, I went out there and I used it, I just pointed out an Excel spreadsheet and within like two minutes, I had really cool visualizations and information. So, um, yeah, nope. for, yeah, go ahead. All you need is an email address to get started. Yeah. You sign up, you sign in. And even if you don't have any data, you can click on, um, you know, you click on GitHub. We'll, we'll give you a predefined GitHub dashboard. If you're using yep. Google Analytics, we'll give you a Google Analytics dashboard, reports, everything um, automatically for you. If your company uses Salesforce, you can see all your leads, all your Salesforce information without you having to do anything other than log in, click on Salesforce. That's kind of how we get that five minutes to wow piece in there. Yeah, and it's just PowerBI.com. That's all you got to remember. Yeah. All right. So, you know, I've, I've looked at Power BI a bit. So there's Power BI, there's Power BI Desktop, and there's Power BI Embedded. So what are the differences between these, and what can you tell us about them? Well, so for Power BI um, Desktop, that is our that is our analyst tool. That is kind of our um, 
that's kind of our engine. That's where you, you can download, you can build, you can pull all your different data sources together, you can combine them, you can build these interactive reports on it. Um, but once you've done that, now you just have a file. File with some nice reports in it, but you want to get it out to, to, to other users or you want to monitor it yourself on a daily basis. That's where the Power BI service comes in. That's our, that's our consumption experience. That's our data discovery experience. You load these things to um, the Power BI service. Uh, and you can basically, you know, it's almost like a Pinterest for data. I can find interesting things in the reports I want. I can say pin and I get these dashboards that are just makeups of little snippets of reports that stay up to date with the latest data. That's, that's how I get from desktop to Power BI service, but I can then share that data with everybody in my organization. Um, I can literally one click hit share or I can actually create these things called content packs and they are basically just packages of those contents of things you've made. And when that user signs into Power BI for the first time, if they're in your organization, they actually see all the content packs in their organization. So they can find data that's relevant to them, say connect, and now they have those content packs. They can start doing their own little Pinterest and clicking on the and clicking on things and making their own dashboards. Okay. And then what kind of data can I connect to? I mean, I knew you threw out a, a couple of them there. Is there like some insane list of like a bajillion of these things? Is it just a short list? Uh the, the list is um pretty exhaustive. There's uh, there's the connections you you think of like SQL Server, Oracle, um, and then we started adding things like uh, Salesforce and Twilio and Marketo and every, all these different online services you can think of, and then anything that has anything that has a, uh, a web API to it, so anything that returns JSON or just REST, um, you can connect to, and um, we have all kinds of tools in there for parsing that out and getting that into the into your data models um, for you. So. Really, anything out there that emits data, you can get it into Power BI. We even have some from, some capabilities for developers. If they have something that's emitting data, they can just push it directly to us. And every time you push us that data, we'll update all the reports and all the dashboards that are connected to that automatically. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at the list here. I found I found a page that has. I don't, I, I don't know if this is complete or not, but it's pretty insane. Like every database you can think of, essentially, um, all the different Azure data stores. Um, I don't know. There's like 30 different online services listed out here. Um, yeah, and then and then like you said, there's there's all these generic ones like OData, um, ODBC. Um, wow, just in, pretty much anything you can think of is out here. I think. <laughs> anything. And one of the great things about Power BI is too is you're not you're not limited to one source. Mm-hmm. If I'm trying to make a report, I can pull in some data from you know, an Excel spreadsheet. I can pull in some data from a SQL Server, and I can pull in some data from, let's say, Salesforce, mash it all together, and produce one report. Yeah. Continuously update those. Yeah. So, what about on-prem data sources? On-prem, we have uh, we so Power BI itself is, is a uh, is a SaaS service. It lives yeah. up in the cloud. It's kind of born there, lives there, um, and it can connect really easily to cloud sources, and then it can also connect uh, pretty easily to your um, on-prem sources. We have uh, Power BI gateways that you can install. And basically, you'll install those on somewhere behind your firewall, either personally on your machine or on a server somewhere, and it can connect to all your on-prem sources as well. So basically, what you can do is you can keep all your data securely locked behind the firewall if you want to, and uh, still use Power BI in the cloud to visualize the results of that data. Okay, so it's just it's it's basically out there, you know, pulling all this data, and then it's it's making like an outbound connection to Power BI, I assume. Yeah, technically it's a push connection, so you don't have to open any yeah. or anything in your. Yeah, firewall. that's what I was wondering. A little, okay. a little gateway that just sits there and and just starts pushing that data up to Power BI. Okay, very cool. So, can I use Power BI to replace reporting services if uh, that's something that we're currently using in our organization? So, reporting services, um, obviously, 
still widely used and very much part of that first kind of generation of BI I talked about where IT driven, IT controlled. Reporting services is still, um, you know, very prevalent in, um, paginated reports, but it's also the on, the, the fully on prem story for Power BI. If people are not ready to move, um, pieces, you know, pieces of their BI solutions to the cloud yet, uh, reporting services is the full on prem story. And reporting services in the last release of SQL, SQL 2016, got some major revamps. Okay. And we also purchased a company called DataZen, mm-hmm. um, which is also just, uh, dashboards. Um, and we actually combined that as now part of SQL Server, uh, yeah, well, SQL Server reporting services, and it's called um, SQL Server uh, Mobile Reports. And basically, you can get mobile dashboarding and mobile and uh, and SQL Server reporting um, all, in the, all in the same releases of, of SQL 16. And the same mobile apps that we have for Power BI, where you can see your Power BI reports, um, you can also see your DataZen or, or SQL mobile reports on there now as well, too. Okay. So it sounds like if I'm using reporting services, I'm pretty happy. I I can just stick with that. I should probably take a look at Power BI to see if if it's you know exciting and, and see if I want to move over to there, but I'm perfectly fine sitting where I'm at as well. Power BI, um, in Power BI, like I said, is, is a full bl- a full cloud service and yeah. it can do things that you can do in the cloud that you can't necessarily do on prem. Yeah. Um, we have natural language on there so you can actually ask questions against your data just in, just in pure text. Um, you know, things you can do, uh, just purely in the cloud that are just really hard to do on prem, but the two kind of work great together. Um, you can actually even pin visuals from reporting services directly to your dashboards in Power BI. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Very cool. Now I know that, you know, Sacha always talks about how he, like, he has a Power BI dashboard and, and I know that Microsoft is really analytics driven now and intelligence driven. So like, should like everybody in every company have like their own personal dashboard? I want to say yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's our goal. For I'm sure. in shock. Um, <laughs> and that's why, you know, Power BI, the, the whole point of, of this, um, you know, the reboot, reboot we did was make Power BI personal to everyone. So you take yeah. important to you and you take those snippets of data and you make them, you make a dashboard out of them. So you can come in and at a glance, you can see, uh, you know, what is important to you. Um, you can on your phone, uh, I mean, I check the, I check every night to see how our usage is doing. I look at a dashboard on my phone. Yeah. And then even even without leaving, um, even without having to leave the experience, I mean, I can just go to Cortana. I can ask a question. I can see, you know, uh, what's important to me. So, you know, you can get smart about your business, smart about what you're, you know, what you're trying to achieve by just creating dashboards that tell you what you need to know at a glance. I never thought of doing that, like for for even like metrics, just any kind of metric that I have kind of in my business life to, you know, throw all that into an Excel spreadsheet and then I can put that onto a dashboard. Um, that's kind of a neat idea because I think you have to, you know, they always say that to, to, to manage something, you have to measure it. And not only that, there's things that we measure and maybe that's not even enough to manage it. Like you have to for for, you know, we're just we're human. Right. So sometimes we have to see like a chart you know, showing, uh, you know, what we're failing at and what we're succeeding at and the things that we're succeeding at sort of motivate us, the things we're failing at, hopefully also motivate us to, to correct those things. Well, that's uh, how we drive actually Power BI. We, yeah. Uh, yeah, we look at, we have a user voice forum where uh, users put suggestions and they vote them up. But the other piece is we try to get features out as fast as we can. Um, and then we look at how the users are using it. We look at the telemetry or people clicking on, uh, you know, what, what, what's being clicked on, what's not, um, what's the satisfaction with certain features. We analyze that data. We build dashboards for this and we look, we use that to improve the product. We use that to judge what we're going to do next. 
Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI tools and enterprise mobility solutions, SharePlus and Report Plus, enable high-performance apps on any device, faster data insights, simplified collaboration, and market-leading security, all backed by comprehensive support. With Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Development Toolkit, you can ensure mission-critical applications delivering a superior user experience on the desktop, web, and native device environments for iOS and Android. With the latest BI tools, wow your users with dashboards providing the data insights that they need when and where they need it, all at a low total cost of ownership. Try it today. Download a free trial at Infragistics.com and follow them for the latest updates in UX and UI development, reporting, and collaboration at Infragistics on Twitter. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you will get a free copy of Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Toolset. So as a developer, what kind of what kinds of ways do I have to interact with Power BI? So Power BI, we added um, a REST API when it, when it first launched. And you can actually integrate with Power BI. So you can, if you're building an application, you can connect it up to Power BI to, well, push data into it if you want to, to embed some controls from it back into your app, to create content automatically for users, um, all kinds of things where you can just interact with Power BI. But you mentioned earlier three different services, and I never talked about the third one, and that's Power BI Embedded. Yeah. Um, that's the one we just launched uh, to preview a few months ago at, at the Build Conference. And before I was talking about integrating with Power BI, that's basically you and your app and Power BI kind of working together. And you have users of Power BI that, that also use your app and vice versa. Well, with Power BI Embedded, it's basically a service. It's now an Azure service that allows you to put Power BI into your applications. So if you want Power BI data experiences, you can actually put them into your app. And it's still your application. It's still your users. They don't need to sign up for Power BI. They don't need to go get licenses for Power BI. They don't necessarily need to know that Power BI exists. Mm -hmm. They can consume those experiences right in their right within your application, just like any of the other experiences in your app. Which is very cool. Very cool. Basically, you know, I think we I think we just talked about this like in the last episode, Carl, where we were talking about like building charting and how it was just such a horrible idea. Um, and then this takes that one step further. Like, don't build them. Don't even use like a third party component. Just completely outsource the entire process of rent. You know, I have data and I want it to look cool. So I'm going to outsource that entire process to Power BI and let it take care of everything. Yep. So, and um, you use the same Power BI tools to offer these things. You use the Power BI desktop to build your data models, build your reports. Mm -hmm. And Power BI desktop is a free download. Uh, if you go to powerbi.com, you can get it there. Um, we use all the power behind Power BI, uh, and then you just actually embed that right into your app. So it's not like you're just embedding a chart. You're embedding all those tools, data yeah. stack behind it, and these fully interactive visuals. So I can put three visuals on, on a page or ten visuals on a page, and I click on one, and it will actually filter down the rest of the visuals automatically for me to reflect whatever I clicked on on that first visual. All okay. that problems if you embed Power BI. Okay. So what kind of visuals are available? And then what about like custom visuals? If there's something in there that I don't have. Yep. So we have, we have several out of the box visualizations, you know, your basic line charts. Uh, we have map controls, tree maps, pie charts, everything you can think, everything you'd expect to be there as, as your, as your out of the box visuals. They're there for you out of the box. 
And then we also, we took that code uh, that powers all our visuals and we stuck it up on GitHub. So we open sourced everything. And you can actually use that if, if you want to modify those visuals in any way, or you can use them as starting points to um, make your own visuals. Yeah. And it was our, you know, it was our goal. When we, we started rebuilding Power BI uh, when, we, when we recently relaunched it. It was our goal that um, uh, developers be able to build visualizations have the same capabilities as anything we ship out of the box. There's nothing that you can't do as a developer when building a custom visual um, uh, that, or there's nothing that we do internally when we develop right. these that you couldn't do as a developer building these yourself. Yeah, no secret sauce. And what I what I like about that approach is, you know, I, I it's probably frustrating for some developers, but I I think it's I think it's just the way to do it. The fact that you know I, I've seen developers go, oh well, I really like that control, but you know, does it have feature X? You know, which is really important to them. And the the answer is like, well, no, it doesn't. But you can just clone it, add that feature, and and there you go, like you have it. Yeah, yeah, and then and then ultimately send a pull request. I think yeah, that's that's a good point to make it kind of full circle. But you don't have to. You can definitely just uh, anything you want. You can just write your own visuals and actually just use them yourself. You don't have to go through. Yeah, cool. Very cool. So before you talked about natural language queries, first of all, what are those, and you know how do you do that in Power BI? There's a couple ways. So we have a feature called Q and A, and basically what what you do is just upload. Uh, your your data models to Power BI, or you import something from what we call our Get Data screen, and there's a search box at the top of your dashboard. You type in a question, any kind of natural language, and you get an answer back. Um, so I can say, you know, show me the number of page views for the last day. Mm-hmm. Don't show me that. And I'll just say, show it to me by age bracket. It'll show it to me by age bracket. Yeah. And, and I can do it either in um, in Power BI through that search box, or I can do it through Cortana uh, in Windows. I can ask questions there, and it'll actually give me back a full report in Power BI, uh, in Cortana itself that I can click on and still interact with. Yeah, what's cool in in Power BI itself is you can say, "I want to know how many, you know, what the what the market breakdown is as a pie chart, for example." Yeah. You can actually tell it what you want it to look like, look like as well. So, so what happens whenever I do that to Cortana? Does it does it actually come back with like a pie chart? You can do two things there. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can do everything you can do in Q&A. So you can say, yeah, give it to me as a pie chart. Yeah. We've also made it so you can actually, um, like I can say, show my travel report uh, for today. And it'll actually bring back a page of a report. Oh. Um, and it'll parameterize it and filter it down for today. So I can actually see the full page in there. We have custom page sizes, specifically a Cortana size one. Actually, fit it right in Cortana. Mm. So uh, instead of bugging Carl all the time with like download stats, I should really be asking Cortana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah. You'll just be bugging me to update the spreadsheet then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you can automate that, it'll automatically update. So we, you can actually schedule the refreshes to occur. Yeah. Or have this data dumping into a database somewhere. You can actually connect to that live and you'll see the, the latest data. Yeah. So you, you talked about embedding earlier and I know you were talking about using like an existing application. So does that mean like website, desktop app, all of the above? How, how does that work? Yeah, right now, I mean, Power BI uh, embedded uses an iframe to actually embed. So anything that can host an iframe okay. uh, can host Power BI embedded. And we wanted to make sure that you could embed into existing applications. And in fact, we specifically went after that. So it's one of our goals to make sure that you didn't have to re-architect your apps just to fit Power BI in. We would just kind of seamlessly fit in there. So we can prioritize Power BI so you can just take a report. And if I want to see a report anywhere on my page, I stick the report there. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can basically, no matter how you log your users in, you continue to do it that way, whether you're using AAD, whether you're using something totally different, something totally custom, you can still log them in that way and you have a way of delegating 
uh, that access to us when they want to come and view a report. Oh, very cool. You want to make sure that you know, we just fit into to what you have already. Okay. So how much does Power BI cost? That's like the $10,000 question all the time. It's $10,000? <laughs> so we have we have two models for Power BI. We have uh, free and we have cheap. Okay. Um, this is for the Power BI uh, SaaS service, PowerBI.com one. So essentially, what you can do is you, it's it's freemium. So you sign up with just an email address, and it's free forever. You get a gig of storage uh, per day. Or per day. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> gig that. of storage per user when you sign up for the free one. You have um, access to all the cloud sources, all our content packs on there. You can build reports. You can build dashboards. Uh, and then we have a, a $10 a month one where basically you get 10 gigs per user. You get some more enterprise features like groups. Um, and you get access to your on-prem data. Uh, but those are really the two models. We try to simplify as much as possible. Now, Power BI Embedded is a little bit different. Um, Power BI Embedded is a service inside Azure, and um, you know it, it's meant to uh, fit in with the rest of the developer services in Azure. And like that, it's it's a consumption-based model. So Power BI Embedded, you can upload all the reports you want, you can embed all the reports you want, and you don't really get charged until someone uh, goes and and uh, uses it. So it's based on how many people actually view reports uh, per month, and you'll get that on your on your normal Azure bill. So um. I was looking at the embedded pricing as well, and it looked like that is really only for showing data to customers. Is am I correct there? Correct. Um, so if if I have a report that I, it's really just internal facing, like for management or the leadership team, I really can't be using embedded for that. Well, the goal for that is to, is to use Power BI for there. Um, that, that's kind of what the Power BI service is 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 geared for. Okay, um, and that's where you know we have those features in there where we can you can easily share that with your with your um, you know leadership team or whoever wants to look at it, and it has the capabilities in there for managing the updates, all those pieces that you'd have to build yourself if you were going to build this into an app. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to make sure that's clear because as developers we get really creative and we got to make sure that we're not violating the terms of cert, uh, of service as we're being creative. It's not <laughs> clear right now. I would I would say we're going to actually update that language in a couple weeks. Um, okay. Make it a little bit more clear, but there is, I mean, there's there's a specific reason when you would want to use one versus the other. And Power BI, Power BI is a fully finished application, and and every single week we're adding features, uh, lots and lots of features. I think one one week alone we did 140 features. Um, <laughs> wow. And we want people using that as much as possible, awesome. especially for internal reporting, especially for business reporting. Uh, and then Power BI embedded, you're building apps today that um, either have reports in them or could use you know, data experiences in there. And that's, that's kind of what it's intended for. So are there any pieces of Power BI that are still in preview or are they all uh, released? So Power BI Embedded is still fully preview. Um, we're, we're getting, we're, you know, we're getting close to our GA for that. Um, Power BI itself is a GA feature. It ga last July. And um, you know, we try to get features out as quickly as possible. And most of the time, those features go straight to GA. Sometimes there's features that we know um, aren't fully complete yet, and we want to get a little bit of feedback before before we finish them off, or we want to see how users are actually going to use them, and we'll release those in preview. Uh, I think the only thing I am aware of right now, I think we have a, a new security feature we rolled out that, that's currently in preview. But the service itself is fully GA, and we try to call it anything. That's a yeah, that's a new preview feature. Totally off the wall question. Do you, I don't I don't see it in here. Do you have a data source for uh, for Trello? I don't think we do. Yeah, we have a we have a connectors team that's uh, constantly adding. We add one connector a week right now. Okay, am, so, am, am I able to build a connector for Trello? 
Um, so what you can do is if it has a REST API right now, you can go ahead and uh, if you click that from web option in there, yeah, enter a URL for, for the REST API and if, okay. if, uh, we can authenticate with it. We'll actually go and you're going to execute queries against the REST API and it'll bring back the, maybe say it brings back a JSON blob. We'll give you the tools to turn that JSON blob into tables. Oh, that's cool. That you can then go ahead and visualize. Yeah, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to think of this like you know. I, I kind of like I said. I want like a dashboard for like my entire job. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how to like implement that now. Yeah. So I mean, um, the, the 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 most extensible way is using that using that from web. I've seen people do all kinds of crazy stuff there. Someone okay. create a um, Stack Overflow connector just using that one time. If actually go on Stack Overflow, you can find it. Um, and they basically pull in all the comments, all, all the trending articles um, uh, automatically, and they have their dashboard automatically ref- uh, refreshed without having to actually engage the Power BI team to make those. Okay. Yeah, one other thing we should probably talk about from a developer perspective, I know we talked about the custom visuals, mm-hmm. but I guess one thing that I want to stress here too is like how extreme these things can get. Oh, yeah. Because um, I know there's one, I think it's I think it's just in the gallery where it's um, – uh, and it's at, I want to say visuals.powerbi.com. I could go out there and look, but there's one that has like fish swimming. And like, if your numbers are bad, like the fish die. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. That was a community winner. So we had a contest for custom visuals. Um, and uh, that was the community winner or the, or the community chosen one. Um, where, yeah. Essentially the, the more the, the fish represented a, a different uh, products and the more money the product made, uh, the larger the fish was, and the and if the numbers somehow went into the negative, the fish went belly up, and they would both stop. <laughs> that was pretty creative. I think the the winner of the contest actually was a custom visual that generated other other custom visuals. Um, <laughs> the map awesome. called. You basically upload photos to it, and you can drag and drop little uh, data elements on there. So I saw someone do a jet engine, and the different parts of the engine yeah. would, uh, would would change colors depending on if they needed attention or not. That's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. These, these visuals are like extremely flexible and these things, I think we mentioned it, they're written in TypeScript, but, um, but you can use, uh, you know, any kind of library in there that you want. So the default I think is D3 and then you can also use, um, you know, just regular SVG. Um, but I have, I developed one that I can't really talk about, but the, um, it was incredibly quick to build. I basically had, I was I was given a challenge to build it in a week, and I had it working in less than a day. Um, and it really it's definitely not showcasing my programming skills. It was showcasing <laughs> how easy it is to get up and running and actually create one of these. So you know, if there's something specific you need for your company or way you want to visualize it, like first of all, go out there and see if one exists. Because if it does, then you're pretty much done. Otherwise, you can just go out and build your own. Yep. And you can, um, you know, if you build a D3 visual, you end up with just a D3 visual. But if you build it and stick it into Power BI. Um, it plugs into the rest of that data stack, mm-hmm. uh, the visualization stack that we that we have, so you get a whole lot more than just a visual on the end there. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of mesmerized by these uh, visuals out here. Yeah, visuals.parabi.com. Yeah, it's just My favorite 3D globe on there. 3D globe. And kind of navigate. You can navigate your data by spinning it around the world. I see globe map. Is that it? Globe map. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Wow. That's really cool. Okay. I can't keep looking at this. <laughs> um, so, anything else? Um, I know we went through a lot, but is there anything else that we didn't mention that you want to talk about, or do you think we covered it pretty well? Yeah. I mean, Power BI embedded, um, and that's uh, one of our biggest developer experiences that we're we're really pushing right yeah. now. Um, you know, anyone who's building applications right now that want to have data elements in it, want to have Power BI experiences in there, Power BI embedded is your way to go. We're trying to make it um, as easy as possible. We love feedback. Um, anything that you'd like to see in the product, anything you'd like to see changed, you know, please go on our community.powerbi.com uh, site 
or you know, find me on Twitter and send us that information. We are now's the time to influence the product, and now's the time where you know, we're rapidly growing it. Very cool. Well, so, I, oh, oh, I, I was just going to say the, the for the embedded portion, like Dynamics AX is using that, correct? Oh, yeah, they're using yeah. the um, yeah, they're using basically uh, uh, the Power BI service. So basically, what you do is you hook it up. When you're in Dynamics AX, you'll actually log into your Power BI account as well, and you can see all the tiles and dashboards you have and reports, and you can link them into the into their experience. Okay. Um, they're also going to have some other experiences using Power BI embedded as well. Uh, one thing I did forget to mention was. Um, you know, it, we also have an anonymous embed solution where you can actually, we, we kind of call it our YouTube experience for report. Yeah. Where you can create a report and you can go into the file menu there and you say publish to web. And what that does is it, it makes it available anonymously, anonymously and it gives you a little URL or an iframe where you can go to a blog or a website, any kind of public site, and just put that iframe in there. And you can have users come and see uh, the reports there without even having to sign up for Power BI. Mm. Um, we use that in, uh, we actually just did the King 5 uh, elections, the primaries. Um, they actually, live on TV, used the published web features and had it available on their site. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so on any, any data that you want to tell a story with and you want to make it public, published the web is the way to go there. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Uh, Azure pick of the week. Um, I should have picked Power BI. <laughs> and it, so I picked two. I picked Power BI, but my other Azure pick of the week is um AzureIoTSuite.com, which is just kind of neat because it's a it's a shortcut URL for um bootstrapping an Azure IoT solution. So whenever you go out here, if you're already logged in with uh with Azure, you hit create new solution, you have two options. You have a predictive maintenance and a remote monitoring option. And basically, whenever you click one of these, it'll just ask you a couple questions about what kind of IoT solution you want to set up. And it will actually provision all the Azure services for you and actually set up basically a working IoT solution for you, which I think is uh, really exciting. So it's just making it really easy to bootstrap one of these things. Whenever I talk to people too, I'm like, the point is it, the point is not that it's like easy to like create this gigantic IOT solution. The point is that it's easy to get started, you know, create that foundation and then uh, build on top of that, wherever you can add business value. And this is just kind of a neat way to do that and to learn about it. And, and I think the other nice thing about it too, is a lot of people might not realize all the pieces and how they connect together. Mm -hmm. And even if this isn't the solution that they end with, it's a good way to get them to start thinking about the problems that they have, especially amongst those common solutions Mm -hmm. like the predictive maintenance, like the remote monitoring. Yep, absolutely. So what is our dev tip of the week, Carl? What kind of software do you have this week? Uh, It's actually (laughs) uh, hardware and uh, mostly just because it actually exists and it's not virtual. Um, a while ago, we talked about caffeine and, you know, we got into it. Uh, recently, I've been exploring cold brew coffee. So brewing coffee at either uh, room temperature or below. And I've been doing it actually in my refrigerator. So I'll, I'll link to an article to, uh, you know, that explains a little bit more details on how to do it. But essentially, there's a, a, a cloth that a, a bag that I got at Amazon and I'll have the link to that as well that I just put a bunch of coffee grounds in and you put that in a pitcher of cold water, nice cold filtered water. And I put it in the refrigerator for anywhere between 12 and 36 hours. And then you have a pitcher of cold brew coffee. It is very delicious, very smooth, low acid, lots and lots of flavor. Uh, you taste all sorts of things that you don't really notice when you have hot steaming coffee. Okay. And like I like I've been mentioning to a few people uh, around me, uh, 
this is the easiest way I've found to make coffee. It's easier than in an AeroPress. It's, and you get more. So it'll last you, you know, it's delicious. So it won't last you long, but it'll last you as long as you want. <laughs> yeah. That, that was the funny thing. I'm like, Oh, how long does it last Carl? And he's like, he's like, well, it should, it should last like, you know, I don't know what you said, like two weeks. He's like, but it lasts two days. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that we, you just have to buy bags. Like that's. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's a reusable bag. So yeah. you literally buy it once. And then when that's you're, crazy. when you're done brewing, you lift it off, lift it out, give it a little squeeze and then just dump the grounds in and rinse it out. So 15 bucks, it looks like, is your price to get into this. And that's for two bags, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can, so I can run in parallel in case I have um, some kind of failure on one. <laughs> so high, high availability coffee. Um, so is it bitter? No, it is not bitter at all. And like I mentioned, okay. it's, it's the low acid as well. Yeah. And really kind of the longer you let it sit, unlike regular coffee, which will get more bitter over right. time, it just kind of gets almost more mellow. It's okay. kind of cool. Hmm. Well, fine. I'll have to try this now. <laughs> I keep Talk buying, it. keep buying hardware. But the the thing is, here here at Microsoft, we have coffee. The coffee here is like so bitter. Um, so basically, I've just I've been I've been tweaking different ingredients to get it to uh, basically to fix it so that I can drink it, um, which is a horrible way to do it. Anyway, let's get to our game, which is right here. <laughs> stalling, stalling, stalling. Okay. So Josh, we play a game on this show. It's really easy. All you have to do is pick a number between one and four, inclusive. Okay. <laughs> and tell us. Uh, you three. Tell me. Three. Okay, here we go. Would you rather never bathe or only bathe in the nearest river? What kind of question is that? That's stupid. Okay, logically. What what it I don't understand. All right. It's a kid's it's game. Yeah, I yeah. know, but it it like why would you pick the first one? Like there's no advantage whatsoever. Normally these are like hard choices. So, so look at it from the point of view of like a 10 year old. They'd be like, yeah, never yeah. bathing. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Okay. Carl, pick a number. I'll take number four. Number four. You always pick number four. Okay. No, I don't. Okay. Carl with always number four. Okay. Would you, <laughs> he's, he's like, Arr. would you rather <laughs> suck in some helium to hear yourself talk funny, but have your voice get stuck like that or stick your teeth way out like a gopher and have them get stuck like that? The voice. <laughs> you gotta go voice. <laughs> what I'm trying to yeah I don't want go for teeth okay. <laughs> <laughs> these are easy ones this week yeah the, yeah otherwise I mean you could yeah, I guess you could just avoid talking most of the time but then you'd be like hello how's it going <laughs> oh okay so that was fun um, so Josh where can people find you uh, so you can find me on Twitter okay. uh, Josh Kaplan 1984 which okay. not think through when I name myself on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> How old are you, Josh? No. <laughs> he wasn't noted that every permutation of my name was already taken. Okay. Um, and uh, you can go to dev.powerbi.com and uh, find out more about Power BI. And there's links to our Stack Overflow and uh, community sites on there as well. Okay. It looks like Carl's been collecting them as well. So we'll have a whole bunch of those on our show notes. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. You can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So Josh, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about Power BI. Really cool stuff. Thank you. 